big sky, big potential. This is Eastern Promise. This month saw the first ever Cambridge Tech Week. Yes, only the first. Can you believe that? And as far as this attendee was concerned, it was a triumph. In particular, it was a joy to watch attendees from across the region, nay, the world, share their enthusiasm for the event on social media. I whipped out my trusty microphone during the coffee breaks of Thursday's big tech debate to find out more. First, I asked Dr Julian Huppert, former MP for Cambridge and director of the Intellectual Forum at Jesus College Cambridge, to give me his highlights of the event so far. Dr Julian Huppert, director of the very impressively titled Intellectual Forum. That is, sounds a little bit scary and I'm going to ask you to expand on that in a second. You've been here obviously the whole time. What have you made of it so far? Um, I mean, it's been a really amazing event uh, and it's great to see this happen. It's, it's astonishing in some ways to think this is the very first Cambridge Tech Week. You know, there's been so much Cambridge Tech here, but we haven't always remembered to tell people about it. You know, whether we're thinking about Arm, which is a company which has transformed mobile devices around the world, there are more Arm chips shipped a year than there are human arms. It's an amazing <laughs> scale. But, but also whether we think about you know, Humira, which has been the biggest selling drug in the world for many, many years, till it recently came off patent, developed here in Cambridge. We talk about real VNC, we talk about CMR surgical. There's so many things here, we haven't always told people about them. So that's been really wonderful. I think you're absolutely right, and we are not, as a region, I think, not very good about shout shouting about what we do. We kind of feel a bit of, um, a bit of reticence about that. Um, and... Before we come on to the actual forum, the, oh, I forgot the, I forgot the question. I had a really good question, I think, and now it's gone. Um, well, expand, at least. <laughs> I can cut well, that bit. So, so one session I found particularly entertaining earlier yes. today was a uh, debate that I sort of took part in about whether AI will destroy humanity. So we had three great speakers, and then the fourth speaker was voiced by me, but was entirely generated by ChatGPT oh, wow. live during the debate. Uh, so it's quite nerve-wracking typing in, you know, write me a speech. Um, and what was fascinating was to actually use ChatGPT in anger, as it were. Um, so I had to, you know, my, I spoke twice. My final one was a, a one-minute summary. And I had to type in about, you know, a very short instruction, write me a short impassioned speech about why AI will not destroy humanity and include a couple of jokes. And it gave a really good speech I could just read out. Were you persuaded by the speech you provided? <laughs> or could you think, yeah, I could do better? Um, I think one could improve a speech. It certainly wasn't exactly the way I would phrase a speech. I didn't agree with everything. No. But what was amazing was that in not very long at all, it generated a high-quality thing which you could just polish. Yeah. And I think that's... People are getting caught up with that. Will, will uh, something like ChatGPT replace speeches? Will replace journalism? No. But it will replace the first three or four stages. Yeah. And it will allow people to focus on editing and fine-tuning, not on making. Yeah. And I think that's quite amazing. I mean, you and I both know that there is a trick to, to, to crafting something that can tug at the, uh, at the emotions. Um, 
And uh, so what I want to tell us about the Intellectual Forum, because I'm fascinated. <laughs> so, I don't think I'm get, I'd get in, but tell us more. Uh, uh, no, absolutely you would. And in some ways, the name is, is, is a bit of an issue. But um, we were set up at Jesus College in Cambridge in 2016 to get people to think and talk about some of the biggest issues of our time. Um, and we run lots of different types of programme. The Heart is a series of publicly accessible talks. We've had people from around really? the world listening in, and they cover pretty much everything. Uh, over the years, we've had people like Jimmy Chu, the fashion designer, mm. shoe designer, who gave me some shoes, which was very oh, nice wow. of them. Very good. We've also had people like Julia Gillard, who was Prime Minister of Australia, yeah. mm. uh, now runs the Welcome Trust. You know, we've had an amazing collection of people. Amazing, yeah. uh, Al Jean, the executive producer of The Simpsons. You know, amazing people. Mm. Um, last night we had Leroy Logan, who was chair of the Black Police Association, was involved right. with the Stephen Lawrence inquiry, and McPherson, Damalola Taylor, but also helping to run the Olympics 2012 response. Yeah. Um, next week we've got the uh, CEO of the sustainable fashion brand Chloe, you know, a really big company, right. talking about sustainable fashion. So these events are available almost always online, but they're free for anybody to either come to or to watch online. Um, we also do some high-level summits looking at things like responsible AI or sustainable finance. But most of our stuff is open to the general public and we really are keen to get people from anywhere in Cambridge, anywhere in the east of England, anywhere in the world to come and be part of these conversations. Yeah. How would you rate the, the ease of people from the rest of our region to get involved in Cambridge? Because I've, I've been struck by the warm welcome once you're in uh, and I and I think that that's something that from both ends we need to work on how would you how would you rate that I think it depends on what area you're in and what sort of thing you're looking for um, from a international forum perspective everything's free come along um, if you if you can't travel great that's why we live stream everything yeah. so you can be part of that we experimented last time with a thing where you could pose video questions ahead of the event. So even if you can't quite even make the event, mm. you could ask the speaker something and get answers. So we're trying to do that. I think part of the issue is that Cambridge works because it's very networked. And it works because you have a small community. And just like in a small village, everybody knows everybody. And so you don't have to write complicated contracts for agreements because you know this person because they go to the same pub and you know that when they say they'll fix this thing they'll do it. Cambridge is like a, a very large village in that way. Um, I set up a small biotech company many years ago, didn't, didn't succeed but we could do a lot of things because you could quickly ask people questions and get help yeah. that you needed without having to cost it all out, go through all the processes. So I think that's, uh, that's the secret of Cambridge, that interconnection network effect. Yeah. The downside is if you're not part of that, it can be slightly harder to integrate. So if anybody would like to be part of the Cambridge ecosystem, come along and be part yep, of events like the Tech Week. To make that Talk to people. Engage. Be a human. Yeah. So we occasionally see, I shouldn't pick on Americans, but American companies who say, you know, I'm not going to try doing the accent. We want to be in Cambridge. We've set up an office. We've sent some people there to do things. They're surprised people don't come and talk to them. Mm. It's because they haven't spent the time You've got to, to be involved, to be known, to understand how people interact and to be friendly. Yeah. What happens here is there's a lot of discussions, quite open, quite trusting discussions, which things are built out of, rather than commercial discussions from yeah. the beginning. And last question, and I'll let you get back to the, the, the coffee break, but what would you like to see from Cambridge Tech Week 2024? Um, 
it's been an immense effort to make this happen. Um, and I think the second one will always be better because we know more about what there is. I think there's so much more that we could do. I'd like to see more people coming here from more places. I'd love to see if we can think about ways of broadcasting some of it more widely. Um, there, there's no replacement for actually being somewhere, you know, and actually having conversations. But equally, I don't want people traveling around the world, you know, just, just for this. We can't afford that much uh, air travel. Um, so I think there's lots more we could talk about. And I think we should also start thinking about some of the work that's being looked at by Innovate Cambridge as well, about not just yeah. what can we do, not just selling Cambridge tech to the world, but also what do we do with Cambridge? How do we make Cambridge more inclusive? How do we link Cambridge to its own community, which is not as equal as we need it to be, and to the east of England and more broadly? So I think it can become a richer, bigger event that showcases us internationally, but also helps us to really reflect. Dr. Julian Hubbard, what a pleasure. Thank you very much for talking to Eastern Promise. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Charles Sturman of TechWorks. Tell us about TechWorks, Charles Sturman. All right, hi. Well, uh, TechWorks is an industry um, community of trade associations in deep tech. So we've got four networks that we run currently, which are semiconductor manufacturing, um, semiconductor and embedded system design, automotive electronics, and IoT cybersecurity. And you're, you, have you been here since day one of the of, uh, Cambridge Tech Week, or have you sort of dipped in and out? Yeah, I've dipped in and out. I've, I've been here since day one, but in and out various other meetings so as well. What have you made of it? Uh, yeah, it's really good. So I've, I've lived in Cambridge uh, a very long time, and I'm quite involved in Cambridge Wireless and some of the other networks around Cambridge. And I thought this was um, this was a bit of a, a big ask, uh, a risky risky thing to try and take on. Really? Yeah. Well, I've been. Surprise me. I've, I've been to London Tech Week, right? And uh, that's a, a huge event. Um, but they've pulled it off. It's been really uh, insightful. It's a it's a wider kind of. Uh, coverage of tech than, for example, uh, Cambridge Wireless have done in the past, uh, which is what it should be. So um, it's, it's, it's been an impressive event, yeah. Now, can I be slightly sappy about this uh, before I let you get back to your coffee and ask you, is, is it perhaps that there is more, dare I say, soul and heart in an event like this than there is when something gets big and corporate like perhaps Tech Week London? Or am I, I've never been to Tech Week London, I freely admit. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a fair, fair, fair judgment. Um, it's uh, it, it, it still feel. I, I mean, you know, it's Cambridge, right? So it still feels quite personal, cuddly, networky. Um, there was an That's event. What we love about it. Yeah, there was a there was a panel session discussion just now between David Cleveley and Eben Upton about um, the, impu- the, the the sort of Cambridge networking phenomena, and I think that's probably true. It's uh, you know, it's. Uh, degrees of separation, right? The, the, you're, not, you're not so far away from the guy you need to talk to. Mm. And that is probably a Cambridge thing, I, I guess. It is. Uh, I think it also works in the east of England as well, but that, I'm about to say that because that's my, my sort of self, self-appointed bailiwick is the, the east of England, but to treat each part as, it's, as, it, as it wishes, on its own terms, I mean, treat each part of the east of England on its own terms, not try and make it some homogenous whole. We're not Yorkshire. Um, there's so much wonder to be found in each separate place. We're a rich, rich quilt we all have our part. Uh, yeah, well, actually, so, yeah, I, I, I'm from London originally, but I live in, in and around, I worked around Cambridge a long time. I know Ipswich, for example, and there's a huge comms, optical, yeah. uh, BT heritage there. Mm. Um, um, the, the technologies around Chelmsford. You know, Cambridge is probably more processor-embedded software AI, mm-hmm. but you're right, there, there's, a, there's a plethora of tech activities across the region. That is true. So I'm here with Jim Downing from Mitel. And what do Mitel do? Mitel are in virtual fashion. Um, we allow brands who design in 3D 
to show their designs on real models instead of on avatars or um, on, on kind of ghost mannequins. So quickly summar summarise for me what you've we made of Cambridge Tech Week so far. Um, I've only been here today, um, but there have been some fantastic debates, especially on the role of AI, and I think that's the, the hot topic at the moment. It's been really exciting kind of hearing the views and having some in-depth discussions around it and the networking, but also kind of like thinking about what role Cambridge can have in, in AI and especially in generative AI in the next few years. So are you, are you definitely already signed up for uh, 2024? For Cambridge Tech Week? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've enjoyed it a Absolutely. lot. I think it could be a great event. And also here is... I'm Sasha Kostrovich. Uh, I do AI for uh, music production. Music production? How, how does that? Tell me more. Well, you know, making music or producing music is hard, so mm. it's hard to set your voice level on a background, noisy background like this one, for example. So we use AI to uh, help people to do this kind of thing. So uh, 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 mix and master music or voice, you know, help, just help people to make music. Generative AI is a big thing. And have you, have you enjoyed it so far? Yes, absolutely. Uh, to me, it feels like a little local South by Southwest or something like that. This kind of conference where you have a bit of uh, philosophical idea entertainment and then all of that being put to very concrete uh, uh, use in a business, in a entrepreneurship and all of that. So really nice. Well, listeners can hear that the bell's now rung, but I, I really hope you enjoy it. I hope we see you back for Cambridge Tech Week 2024. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Friday saw Cambridge Science Park and the Bradfield Centre greet international guests, here at the invitation of our good friends at Cambridge And. I asked Paula Rogers-Brown of Connect Health Tech and the Milner Therapeutics Institute to give me her take on the secret to engaging with the Cambridge ecosystem. Here at Cambridge Tech Week, we're all about bringing people together. I've, you know, I've heard many times across this week, um, you know, where do I go in? How do I start? Just start a conversation because if so I true. don't know, I can certainly signpost you to somebody who may know or somebody else, or an organisation, entity, etc. There is no wrong door. Cambridge is definitely open, globally as well. Um, and we just need to start the conversation. That's all. Don't be frightened to start the conversation. I, I think that is so true, and uh, that's what I hope Eastern Promise can help with mm -hmm. uh, and, and lead on that. And uh, because Norwich is such a, 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 a key hub of plant science, looking at things like antimicrobial resistance. I interviewed Nick Tolbert, Professor Nick Tolbert, the director of the Sainsbury Laboratory, and he showed me that, I don't know if you've ever seen the ceiling of the coffee room, it's full of dents, and each dent is signed, because every time they discover something, they pop off a champagne cork, and it hits the ceiling, they sign the dent. There's a lot of dents. And what is, what is the best way, do you think, you say you start a conversation, of starting those conversations, along that corridor between a, a hubs like, Cam a huge hub like Cambridge, which you know are incredibly big ecosystem, slightly smaller but still rich and vibrant ecosystem in Norwich. How do we connect that up? And, and indeed, Suffolk, Essex as well. I don't want to be exclusive. I think there are a number of ways, and there are a number of networks that we have. Um, based across the eastern region, whether that's um, a business network like One Nucleus or Cambridge Network, um, and clearly um, opportunities like Cambridge Tech Week that brings in people from at different points from across not just the county um, and, and the, the region, but more from the UK perspective and globally as well. Um, but you have different connecting entities 
One, clearly, Connect Health Tech is one. And that's in the health tech space, which brings together the physical and life sciences for that interdisciplinary, cross-discipline working and collaboration. That is a great connecting tool. You can't ever um, move away from physical, um, networking and events, but Connect Health Tech is a real digital first tool yeah. which can start to bring in and keep the conversations going. That's the thing, isn't across, it, that keeping it moving? Absolutely, across the eastern region, across the UK. You don't need to be in Cambridge if you're a member of Connect Health Tech and you work within MedTech um, digital health or therapeutics, um, if you're in that space, then yeah, be a part of that community to connect and collaborate and further those interdisciplinary collaborations. So remind us where people go to to be part of that. To, be a, to join Connect Health Tech, just go to um, connect.cam.ac.uk and join the community. That is fantastic. And or just Google, Connect Health Tech. Indeed. You're, I mean, the energy you brought to the room was absolutely palpable. Thank you very much. And your much. enthusiasm for Cambridge and its ecosystem came through. So, so pleased to have you in the region and in Cambridge doing doing, doing yeah. that and, and bringing your energy to that fantastic Thank you so work. Much. It's all about democratising access to the great wealth of expertise that we have here in Cambridge, but also to bring in new ideas, new thinking and new approaches because it's a... When we do that, we really have a great convergence of ideas, research, people and resources to then create those transformative services and, and products and treatments for the future. Well, there you are, folks. You, 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 you heard it loud and clear. What a fantastic ecosystem to be a part of. Paula Rogers-Brown, thank you so much for thank talking to Eastern Promise. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank we you. We're absolutely delighted to support uh, Connect Health Tech in, in, in all your efforts to Lovely. grow the sector. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So, now we know what attendees made of it, let's take a deeper dive with Chris Bruce of the Cambridge Tech Week Steering Committee. I mean, I was just listening back to some of the audio I captured on the, the big debate day, which was the Thursday. Oh, yes. There was one participant who was saying that he was initially sceptical because he'd been to London Tech Week and how could they possibly do this in Cambridge? And he then sort of held his hands up and said, they did it. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. to you. you must have been overjoyed with the reception that it got. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, you know, this has been a long time in, in the making. By the nature of it, we're bringing together a lot of stakeholders, kind of meet a number of people's uh, desires across Cambridge and, in fact, the, the wider region. And um, it was just delightful, really, to see so many of those aims and goals come to fruition. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy. What stood out for you as your, as your, your one moment that you'll, you'll treasure almost? Well, oh, there's so many, but I think Patrick Pichet stole the show yeah. on day one when he spoke quite candidly about his experience of buying 150 companies whilst being CFO of Google, including yeah. YouTube and Maps and all that sort of stuff, um, and Android, uh, and then being even more candid about how he helped to relieve Elon Musk uh, from um, $44 billion worth of cash uh, in his efforts to buy Twitter, which was a, uh, a very frank, enlightening, and, and quite amusing story that he was telling. One of the things that's wonderful about uh, an event like Cambridge Tech Week is the level of connection and networking that you can do. 
uh, in the coffee breaks uh, in between events. Just, even just for yourself, there must have been a lot of that. And have people come back to you and sort of relayed their experiences of building, the, you know, extending their network exponentially almost? Well, I know personally my network has, has grown significantly in the lead up to this event and during the event. And I met a number of number of people that um, I'd either only spoken to or, or messaged with um, and not had the chance to meet face to face and have a chat. So that was really, really good for me. As I think I mentioned before, Mike, I'm not based in Cambridge. So actually meeting some yeah. of the Cambridge uh, ecosystem or members of it face to face was great. And I've definitely broadened my uh, networking areas that I wasn't so familiar with, like quantum and AI. Really pleased, actually, that a number of people said to me they'd really like to help with uh, putting on one next year. So uh, that's broadened my network of um, volunteers. Absolutely. So people should get involved uh, next year because it was it was a wonderful week. And I'll just ask, ask you, Chris, if you could just talk us through what those who couldn't make it missed on a day-to-day basis, starting with day one. Okay. So as you know, it's it's a it was five days of, of events. First day was somewhat overtaken by uh, His Majesty the King and his coronation. So the Monday became a bank holiday. But we'd always intended that to be a day for fr- what we call fringe events or conversations. So there were quite pleasingly a number of events for children and young people to get exposure to uh, tech, uh, including something that Cambridge Wireless put, put on itself called uh, CW Texters which is something we do for young people to give them exp- experience of, of tech and the tech community. Uh, moving on to what you, what I think you're referring to, day one, day one of the conference, which was held at Hingston Hall, capacity of 400 people, sold out, rich array of uh, exhibitors, sponsors, and contributors, kicked off really, really nicely. I almost had goosebumps how well that the start kicked off with um, Monty Barlow, CEO of Cambridge Consultants, giving us a kind of, uh, perspective a te- from a technology point of view of how the Cambridge network works from a technology point of view and a collaboration point of view and how so his philosophy as as the new CEO of Cambridge Consultants about bringing forward uh, technology advancements and some of them can be brought forward and he had some interesting examples of where they've done that including I think recording a whole load of uh, the whole of Wikipedia on DNA yes don't ask me how you do that. I've no idea. Uh, but it sounds really impressive. The telecoms industry will know he's chairman of the GSMA, which is the mobile industry uh, international group, uh, CTO of Telefonica and O2, and most latterly to the Department of International Trade as their chief science uh, advisor. Wow. Um, so he gave, I think, quite an interesting industry governmental policy perspective on some of the things we need to look at around trade and also a topic that uh, was repeated a number of times on on all three of the core days, which was around talent and um, the scarcity thereof and how to develop it. <clears throat> and as he pointed out, it's not just about postdocs from the university. We also need technical apprentices. Uh, we need, in fact, all sorts of people who work in tech, marketing, sales, administration, logistics, you name it, because there's huge growth throughout the region, particularly we're talking about um, uh, Cambridge, but wider still. That's that's pulling it in. So I think those that, that was a really great start on day one. We then had a number of uh, sessions where we had interviews with uh, entrepreneurs that, if you like, got to got to a certain stage of yeah. their careers and their journeys, and they talked us through their experiences. And we had the the startups with the innovation alley showing some of the future technologies coming through. And then, as I mentioned, Patrick Pichet um, kind of brought the house down at the end of the day. 
um, with his his uh, interview. Believe it or not, we had um, on day two, we had two different television crews from the BBC arriving. Wow. Uh, you know, I worked for a large company about nearly 40, uh, 20, so nearly 30 years. Um, and I know how large companies can somehow not get joined up, but there were actually two crews, one from Look East. Um, uh, and I never found out who the other lot were from. Maybe click online or something like that, I bet you. Oh, goodness knows. Anyway, so they 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 broadcast something, I believe, on on Friday evening and and on over the weekend a longer piece. Um, and incidentally, they also had a we had an interview. They requested an interview, a different part of the BBC, BBC News, oh. for an early morning session on Thursday morning about AI. And uh, Professor Gina Neff, who's a professor of technology and democracy, I think is if I'm not mistaken. She did that interview for us, referencing Cambridge Tech Week, but also AI, which uh, is very topical right now, and was very present on day one of the conference. We had a fantastic panel talking us through some of the the technical, but most importantly, the ethical questions. And it was really nice to see there wasn't agreement on the panel. You know, there wasn't a lot of uh, I agree with him or I agree with her. No, there was some disagreement, which I think is always much more engaging. And it's, it's not surprising because it's it's a challenging area for us all to get our heads around. Day two, we had a fantastic start to the day. And the, the aforementioned uh, Professor Gina Neff interviewed uh, a lady, Meredith, I'm going to mangle her name now, Broussard, I think her name is, uh, who's a professor from New York. And they were talking about the whole subject of unconscious bias within technology. And I'd never really thought about this. But this lady has uh, written a book about it and uh, thought very deeply about it. You know, all, all this tech, this AI, these algorithms, they get defined by somebody. Yeah. They don't that themselves yet. Not yet, no. Um, no, not yet. So if, if in creating an algorithm, you automatically, consciously or unconsciously put in some sort of bias, then that's going to perpetuate bias. So yeah. putting it into, into real terms... If you're, uh, I don't know, uh, mortgage lenders and you've got some algorithms about what sort of people will qualify for what sort of mortgage and you look at things like where they went to school or what what, what their parents' careers are or what, what postcode they live in, then that will undoubtedly affect the propensity to offer a mortgage. So, you know, she was, ex- and, and there's many more examples. So she was exploring, well, is that the right set of parameters and who defines those? Well, and then how do, how do people who are less fortunate get onto that kind of ladder? So re- really thought-provoking session. We had um, a really good discussion on semiconductors. Yes. Panel there. One of the one of the technologies, for obviously Cambridge Silicon Fen, is is famous for. Mm. And again, something else that's been in in the headlights this year with the long-awaited government strategy on semiconductor, <laughs> which was pointed out a number of times. And then we had um, Raj, who's the VP of Samsung, ex-CSR. This company was taken over by uh, Samsung, yeah. major players in, in the region. And then at the other end, we had some uh, younger companies. And we had Simon Thomas, the CEO of Paragraph, who seems to be a perennial uh, invitee to BBC Radio 4 <laughs> uh, when he, he sort of comes on and has a rant about um, the government strategy or lack of it. To invest and support the semiconductor industry, and then finally we had Jamie Urquhart, who's again well known, also been on BBC Radio 4 in the mornings, and a co-founder of Arm, 
a distinguished career in, at Arm and other companies, and um, now mover and shaker and commentator and mentor and all sorts of things. So quite a lively debate between them from the kind of the established to the new boys and the, and um, some perspectives around where the government and the industry should go. And, and these these, um, these aren't the sort of people you just collect from a bus stop and drag into the hall. You've, you've clearly had a very clear idea about who you wanted and they and got them. No, I mean, we had some some really good speakers there. We had a lady called Sharon Dagan. Uh, again, I'll probably mangled her name, for which I apologise if she's listening, from Oxford Algorithms. Yes, we did allow people in from Oxford. Um, she she went through her, her innovation journey as an entrepreneur. And again, she was really uh, forthright, really straightforward and honest about her journey, about the, the successes and also the challenges and, and honestly where she said she made mistakes yeah and including when she started out with her first company where she had the best product in this new area uh, to do with a mobile application but she didn't have the best sales approach and she was outsold or a company was outsold and once one company i think it was vodafone took the competitor's product everybody did and fundamentally they were they were out of business really yeah and she's learned from that and she said you know product doesn't sell itself and, uh, you know, engineers have got to get used to the fact that they need people to help them. Sometimes they needed people to help them communicate the product and, and sell it and yeah. market it. She was also extremely honest about hiring the right people. This, this, is, all, this is all online, so I'm not saying anything that anybody wouldn't, won't hear who, who signed up. But she, the guy said, have you got any uh, things that you'd learned from, any mistakes you made? Oh, yes, hiring, really difficult. So I once had this chap. I hired him for VP of products. He was useless. <laughs> bear in mind there's people in the room and it's streaming online i'm thinking oh i hope this chap's not listening he was useless uh but then she conceded that it was possibly possibly 50 percent her fault because she put him in the wrong job yeah and then then she said but then i moved into create the job of vp of marketing and it was fantastic <laughs> so so all well ends well yeah so that was sort of day two and you know a real vibrancy around the conference center uh, lots of serendipitous meetings and introductions. And I think a lot of the exhibitors and sponsors were pretty pleased with the people they met um, and the opportunities to have further conversations, whether it's collaborate technology collaborations or commercial opportunities and so forth. Well, social media was buzzing. Um, yeah. Oh, crikey. Yeah, it was on fire. Yeah. If, if social media can be on fire, it, it, was, on it fire. was ablaze. And, and day three was, I mean, a yeah. fantastic series of debates the one I saw on the metaverse, lo and behold, on Sunday, the Sunday after Cambridge Tech Week, there's a piece in The Observer saying, giving the eulogy for the the, uh, the, Zuck, the Zuckerverse, the, the um, Mark Zuckerberg version of the metaverse, which itself was a contentious issue. But for the morning session, tell us about the morning of the big debate, which is going back to AI, isn't it? Well, indeed. And um, we, I guess we were quite brave in that We'd had two days of conference in Hingston Hall, which is on the genome campus outside of Cambridge near Duxford. Great conference centre, great venue. But then after two days, and it takes a fair bit of organising, we were going to up sticks and move to a completely different venue in the centre of Cambridge, the, the Cambridge Union debating chamber, you know, a historic building, completely different environment, and um, started again. <laughs> and um, and I was really, really pleased with it. I mean, it's, if you... if if your listeners haven't been there, it's a bit like a mini House of Commons. It certainly quite is. Quite a different environment. Uh, really great atmosphere. And to have a professional uh, moderator in, in the form of Christian Gurumurti uh, in the morning, 
to kind of lead us through the debate. He facilitated or moderated, I'll call it a BBC Question Time type format. Yeah. And so we had a great panel of uh, contributors on, on, on stage, if you like. But I was so pleased that there was just so many contributions from the floor. And I don't know if it's something to do with the, the venue and the environment or uh, the moderator. But, you know, sometimes you can go to these events and you say, well, are there any questions? And sort of tumbleweed sort of flows yeah. through the floor and, you know, <laughs> everybody embarrassing looks at their feet. Uh, uh, but no, there was just lots of it. And I, I can only conclude that people in Cambridge like to hear the sound of their own, their own voice. That's why I was there. <laughs> but really, really, and very, very interesting uh, contributions from some quite knowledgeable people, very knowledgeable people, you know, some academics some technologists. Um, so that that went really well. And then we, we flipped over to quite a different moderator in, in the form of a chap called uh, Mike Butcher. Yeah. Who's um, editor at large for TechCrunch. And uh, yeah, I think probably a, a kind of a provoker dis- disruptor type of guy. Yes. And um, we had our first of our debates around AI. And I just thought that was priceless. Absolutely priceless. And really thought provoking contributions with these debates, we had two proponents of a, a motion, um, two opponents, and both would get the chance to speak. And then we'd also have contributions from the floor. And uh, the motion there was uh, AI will will kill the human race, um, which I don't know if I'm pleased or or, or not. But anyway, the, we, we took a vote and we went through the eye lobby and the nays lobby, respectively. And I can tell you, I can reveal that um, the audience felt that AI will not kill the human race. So well, that's whether good. we're just being complacent, whether we're <laughs> complacent or whether we, we should uh, be relieved, I don't know. We then had a kind of a, a, a break in proceedings and I had the, the great pleasure to introduce two people that, as I said at the time, probably need no introduction to that audience. One was David Cleveley, a longtime luminary of the Cambridge tech scene. There's so many companies and organizations and network groups that he's, he's founded, um, contributing to important reports about Cambridge and Peterborough economic um, situation in, in, in the area and um, things he's done for government. But he's also uh, was the original chairman of Raspberry Pi, yeah. which was uh, why we got him uh, to sit alongside Eben Upton, the founder and CEO of uh, Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi bringing the, um, the technology, the low-cost uh, technology be made available to particularly to young people mm. to play with to learn about computers yeah and um you know you can get you can get a raspberry pi chipboard thing for you know about 30 dollars or something these days um and it was really fascinating to hear them talk about what was the philosophy behind it you know when you know retail products are you know many many more times the cost of that yeah and and also Packaged in a way, I mean, Apple is just fantastic at packaging the user experience to make it so simple and all the rest of it, which is great. But it does have a risk of uh, de-skilling people from actually playing with the tech. And um, yes. you know, the initiative behind it really was around making, exposing that technology to, particularly to to children, school children, youth, teenagers, um, to get them to play with it. And um, you know, I guess it's all Evan about his early days of playing with uh, acorn computers and and so forth uh again from from cambridge yeah so um 
that 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 for me was a personal highlight. I really enjoyed listening to that debate or that discussion that they had. And then we had the um, the final debate again, the same format uh, that that you you saw, Mike, around yeah. the um, metaverse. Is it dead? Or actually, I think the motion was the metaverse is dead. Yes, it was. That was the um, motion. Actually, I can't remember what the answer was. Was we found it? I think we found it alive. Yes, yeah, largely alive. Although I think you, on both of us, both, both uh, I, I, we were on the uh, no, pretty dead. But then I think what was interesting about that was that the debate centered around well, what are we? What do we mean by metaverse? Uh, which might have been a, the better, a better motion. Well, you know, this house doesn't really know what the hasn't really decided what the metaverse is. But uh, no, it was, that was fascinating stuff. And as I say, uh, the observer sort of followed that up with its own take on the uh, on on the question on on the Sunday morning, which is uh, was uh, leading the the tech charts on the the Guardian website for some days after after that. So it it really was a, f- a absolutely fascinating afternoon. And I only caught a little snippet of it, but. Um, but yeah, uh, and, uh, and and Friday was a real showcase for for international guests. Yeah, so I'm really pleased that we had I think about a hundred uh, delegates from from outside the UK, and um, you know we worked hard to bring interesting delegates from outside of Cambridge, one of the, the rest of the uh, the the Anglia East Anglia region and across the UK to to join us, uh, but also international because. Um, you know, we know that technology is a, a sector that relies on collaboration and all the answers are not in um, to be held in the UK, let alone in Cambridge um, or the, the East, Eastern region. And we need to reach out. We need to collaborate. And it was just great to have uh, visitors from Latin America, from Asia, from Europe um, and give them a taste of what and what the region and Cambridge can do, and if they're thinking of investing or collaborating or relocating, then introducing them to people who can who can help with that. One thing I you, you were talking about sort of the, the the branding in terms of with Apple, but in terms of with the Cambridge Tech Week branding, that was a triumph because you automatically knew where you were, you knew where you were going. I mean, the the debating union, it was all outside. You knew precisely uh, where to go, and there was just this beautiful. Green and blue um, logo running throughout. It was it was tremendous. Yeah, I must admit, I, I have to thank Kirsten and uh, and Caroline Hyde of Cambridge Enterprise and Kirsten, who works with Cambridge Enterprise. Um, they, we worked on you know what we wanted from how we're going to communicate this. You know, it's a blank sheet of paper we started with, mm. and um, you know what is this thing? And and you know, like your commentator said to you, you know, could could Cambridge possibly pull off such a thing? Um, and, you know, we talked about the values, the, the objectives, the content, the sort of things we wanted to cover and how we wanted to project it. But it really, the whole project really came to life once we had a visual identity. Yeah. It is crazy, really, mm. because nothing had changed Friday to the Monday. But when on the Monday, when we had a kind of a, a palette of colours to use, the, the sort of the Cambridge teal, a purple, a green... It really came to life, and I, I thought it was very professionally done, and yeah. um, did help us dress the uh, the venues. Um, it was on the social media, it was on the collateral, the programs, even the lanyards. And I tell you what, I really liked. There were some people who'd been to all all events, and by Friday, it was a bit like Glastonbury. They were collecting all of their yes their, <laughs> their tickets all on one Brilliant. one lanyard, which I thought that was that was lovely. Fantastic. Um, 
I suppose the other, the last thing I'd like, would like to call out about the week, which I was pleased about, which was the uh, creation or encouragement of nearly thirty fringe events, which yes. we call conversations. And um, you know, as an organising committee, we really had to focus on two days of conference and the big debate, and everything else that goes around that. But we wanted this to be um, something for the whole community to get involved in, and we wanted to provide a platform for listing advertising their events and we had from nothing we had you know as i say nearly 30 events everything from as i mentioned uh, access sort of tasters for children and young people to get involved in in tech some sort of coding taster days we had startup uh, people put on startup boot camps and um, sessions on how to do pr for a new company there were um, networking events. Mm-hmm. Uh, most evenings, I met you at one of them, Mike. Indeed. And you know, as we know, with 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 these sorts of things, it's the networking that's as valuable as as the content. Oh yes. Um, you know what you're making. And so that that was really nice. But I think we've only scratched the surface. We have really. And um, we're just starting to think about what we do next year. But uh, say... one message for your listeners: as and when we announce what that is, then I'm sure we'll have platform for advertising fringe events and conversations and i really encourage people to think about um oh we were thinking of having something around then why don't we move it to that week why don't we uh, think about doing something even if we hadn't you know maybe we've got some particular interest group or some tech discussions we want to have or something we want to put on for the local community um reaching out beyond the technocrati, if you like, um, to um, you know engage with the wider uh, community, not just in central Cambridge, but in in the area around and maybe even across the region. Well, I'm in. Uh, Eastern Promise is in uh, for whatever we can do to help. And what well, one thing I said: when is the first meeting for Cambridge Tech Week 2024? Or are you still uh, trying to get your head around 2023? Well, we're we're having a um, the steering group is sent out a uh, doodle poll for when we're going to have our first face-to-face meeting because most of our meetings have been um, virtual recently uh, but we're going to meet face-to-face and say okay how was that for you and what do we do now um, we're giving Rachel the opportunity to uh, put a wet towel over her head and, and spend a week with the kids this week and um, then you know we'll let the dust settle and and we'll We'll be meeting within May to start thinking about next year. That's Rachel Kerr, uh, who has been an absolute wonder in driving this forward. And I saw her everywhere, everywhere. Just Rachel smart. She never lost the smile, never lost the enthusiasm. Although Thursday afternoon, she's like, I'm I'm going to go home now. I've just, I'm not sticking around for a, for a tipple. I'm going home, which I, I couldn't blame her for. But Chris, that, where do people go? to find uh, you know, the footage, the recordings of what they may have missed during Cambridge Tech Week? I'm sure we're going to put together a montage. Uh, attendees will get, you know, if they want to, they can watch the whole three days. Um, but we'll, we'll put together a montage, which I'm sure will be available on the cambridgetechweek.co.uk website in due course. Not there just yet. Fantastic. Um, we'll keep, you, can follow, you can follow us on LinkedIn and then more news will come out from there. More news will come. Chris, what a pleasure. What a fantastic week it was. 
and it was, uh, you know, I, whenever we get the date, my diary will be, will be will be cleared for Cambridge Tech Week. There were people from across the region. From I saw from posts from Nor- people from Norwich, from Suffolk, Norfolk, everywhere, just so pleased to be part of it. It was a triumph for Cambridge, a triumph for the region, triumph for the UK. Thank you so much uh, for being with us this morning and just for, for Cambridge Tech Week. Oh, thank you, Mike. And I do appreciate your support uh, with the my Eastern pleasure. Promise. Uh, your your enthusiasm and your uh, energy is unboundless and I uh, really appreciate your support. And um, it's my pleasure. Look forward to seeing everybody there next year. Attending Cambridge Tech Week has been a singular pleasure. And I truly hope Eastern Promise can get even more involved next year. If that's something you'd like to see and be part of, then please do get in touch. My email address is mike at easternpromise.site or you can contact me through our website, easternpromise.org.uk. Now, if you weren't able to attend Cambridge Tech Week, then all is not lost because there's another opportunity to get to grips with the Cambridge ecosystem. On the 14th of June, it's Cambridge Wide Open Day, organised by O2H Cowork Labs. Cambridge Wide Open Day sees a wide expanse of the biggest, brightest and best names in the Cambridge ecosystem open their doors to the public between 11am and 3pm. As if that wasn't enough, there's a garden party reception at the O2H Cowork Labs at Hawkston House on the Mill SciTech Park from 4pm until 9pm. There's a full list of participating venues at the Wide Open Day website, cambridgewideopenday.com. And if you want your venue to feature on the Eastern Promise podcast, then email me at mike at easternpromise.site or through our website, easternpromise.org.uk. Housing is currently the hottest of hot-button issues once again and in dire need of calm, reasoned and well-evidenced discussion. Thankfully, that has now been provided by the East of England Local Government Association, a membership body which represents the region's 50 councils and who followed up their recent progress report on levelling up in the East of England with a landmark study into the state of the region's housing. The East of England LGA invited Eastern Promise to come to their offices in Bury St Edmunds and hear more about the report, entitled Opening the Door – Good Quality, Available and Affordable Housing in the East of England. Eastern Promise is a Priors Croft production for the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company.